The scripture reading is from 1 John 2, 3 through 14 specifically. We know that we have come to him. Let me start over. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister and is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness, they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father, in your word, you promise that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, will take that which is of Christ and make it known to us. And we ask that he would do that for us now through the preaching of your word. Amen. You know something that's really, really good? When we come to God through faith in Jesus, God welcomes us. Isn't that good? God, you'd say it this way. We come to God through faith in Jesus. God accepts us just the way we are. You know something else that's really, really good? God accepts us just the way we are, and he doesn't leave us that way, right? He, he works in us as people he, to transform us, to change us for his glory. God changes us when we come to him through Christ. Now, that, that change, the, the, the transforming work of God and his people, that change is a central theme in the book that we're studying this summer, the book of 1 John. John talks a lot about the way that God changes his people. And what I want to do today from, from this passage, I want to just kind of look at that change that God does in us. I want to look at it from, from three different perspectives. First, I want to talk about the nature of the change, like what is it that God does in us, right? The nature of the change, then the importance of that change, and then finally, our motive for changing. So just to make sense of my thoughts today, I want to talk about this, the way that God transforms those who come to him through Jesus. And I want to talk about these, three, these, these things, uh, about this change, what it is, why it matters, and then why we should long for this. Okay, so we'll start with the nature of the change. What kind of change 
does God do in people when they come to him through Christ? Well, if you listen to some preachers, God's goal for his people is to make all of us healthy and wealthy. If you're not healthy or you're not wealthy, you're doing something wrong because that Christianity is all about prosperity. God wants to, that's the change, make us prosper. No. The Bible does not teach that. It's not about prosperity. Well, someone else says, I know what it's about. It's about personality. God wants to change your personality. If you're an introvert, God wants to make you an extrovert. He doesn't like introverts. And if, or if you're an extrovert, God wants you to pipe down and be quiet. He wants you to be an introvert. God wants to change. No, listen, that's also wrong. The Bible says that God created you. He made you the way you are. He's not out to change your, your basic personality. So it's not about prosperity. It's not about personality. Someone else says, I know what it, the change is. It's, about, it's all about deliverance. God wants to deliver, set you free from all of your temptations. So if you, if you have an addiction and you come to Jesus, boom, God's going to take it away. Or if you have, let's say, same-sex attraction, you come to Jesus, God is going to straighten you out. He's going to deliver you. Well, listen, God might do that. He might not. He usually doesn't. Usually he wants us with his power to just fight the battle of temptation throughout our lifetime. So it's not about prosperity. It's not about changing your personality. It's not about deliverance. Oh, someone else says, I know what the change is. God wants to change your culture, your cultural identity. Because, as we all know, the best Christians are middle-class white Americans. Wrong. The best Christians are Koreans. Wrong. The best Christians are, are Jewish. That's, you know, that's in the early church, that's what they told the, 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 the Gentile converts. You have to change your culture if you want to be a good Christian. But all of that is wrong. God, God delights in the people group that you come from. He delights in, in your, it's, it's part of his creation of you, your ethnic identity. You know, this is a little uh, excursion, but when you read in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 7, this, the, the same apostle John who wrote this epistle, he has this vision of the throne room of heaven, and you know what he sees surrounding the throne of Jesus? He sees men and women, listen, he says, from every nation, from every tribe, from every ethnicity, from every linguistic group, meaning that our ethnicity is still identifiable even in heaven. God is not going to, God loves your ethnic background so much, he's not even going to change it when you get to heaven. So if you're Puerto Rican, you're going to be Puerto Rican for all eternity, all right? If you're Chinese, for all eternity, Jamaican, Irish, whatever it is, for all eternity, he's not out to change our culture. So by now you're getting sick of me telling you what the change is not, right? Pastor, please tell us what the change is. Here's what God wants to change in us. He wants to change our character. He wants, he wants to change who we are on the inside. He, for for one, one thing, God wants us to be obedient to, to his word. You see, you see that in verse 3. It says this, we know that we have come to know him, know God. We know that we've come to know God if what? if we keep his commands. So what is God, what does he want to do in your life? He wants to make you more and more obedient to the commands he's given us in his word, which will mean, what will it mean in your life? Purity, honesty, integrity, 
just upright moral behavior. So he wants us to be obedient. He also wants to make us more loving. Verse 10 says, anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. He wants to make us really loving people. What is that? Have you ever known someone who's really loving? It would mean he, God wants to make you compassionate and, and patient and, and generous and large-hearted. So that this is basically the change God wants to work in us. He wants to make us obedient to his word and loving toward his people. And if you think about it, that's kind of a strange combination of character qualities. I mean, sometimes you run into people who are very moral. They are very obedient. They're very careful to keep all the rules. But sometimes they're not very loving, right? They're going to be kind of harsh and judgmental and self-righteous. So, so sometimes you meet people who are obedient but not loving. And sometimes you, you meet people who are after a fashion, they're loving. I mean, they're very tolerant. They're very accepting of, of everyone's lifestyle, but they're not obedient. They don't care about God's laws. They don't pursue holiness. So God wants us to be both of these. He, God, God wants us to be men and women who are very, very careful not to sin and very very compassionate toward those who do. You might say, I've never, I've never known anyone like that. I've known people who are obedient but not loving, or I've known people who are loving but not obedient, but I've never known anyone who's both. Yes, you have. His name is Jesus. His, listen, verse 6 says what? It says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. He's, he's the example we follow of someone who is, you know, Jesus was very careful to do the will of the Father in everything. He even, he even said to his enemies in, in the book of John, who of you can accuse me of any sin? He was like, go ahead, what sin have I committed? None. They couldn't answer. And yet who, who was more compassionate towards sinners than Jesus? just full of compassion towards the broken and the poor and the, and the, and, and the outsider and, and, and those who have stumbled into sin. So th this is why, like in Romans 8, 29, it says, those whom God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So in case you're worried, what is God going to do to me if he changes my life? I don't know if I'm going to like the change. Listen, you're going to love the change. He's going to change you on the inside He's going to make you somebody, the kind of person, listen, the kind of person on your very best day you've always dreamed of being. Somebody who's not ashamed because you, you hold your head high and you just, you walk with uprightness through life. And yet someone, someone that hurt people love to be around because you're so loving. So that's, that's the nature of the change. That's what he wants to do in us as we come to him through Christ. Now, second point, the importance of the change. Um, have you ever have you ever bought have you ever purchased an airline ticket? Maybe you have. Most of you have. If you ever buy if you buy an airline ticket, you know that you always have a choice to make when you buy the ticket. You can choose to fly first class, right? Which they tell me is really really nice. Okay, lots of leg room, lots of great snacks, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, right? It's very expensive. Or 
If you don't want to go first class, you can choose to go coach, which you're going to save a lot of money, but it's not going to be very comfortable, okay? So that's, that's the choice every time you buy a ticket. First class, coach, that's the choice, and the choice is yours. Now, while you are in the air during the flight, the choice seems pretty important, right? You're sitting back there and coach, someone's kicking you, and you're looking up there at first class. They're all comfortable. It's important while you're in the air. But once you land, doesn't matter anymore. Because you're all going to the same place. You're all on the same plane. You all land at the same time. You all wait at the same carousel for your luggage. I mean, it doesn't really matter anymore once you get there. Now, some people think the Christian life is like that. You, you, come, you come to God through faith in Christ, and basically you get on the plane to heaven, right? You're, go, you're going to heaven, and you know... If you want to, you can be a first-class Christian. I mean, you could if you wanted to seek to be filled with the Spirit and pursue a life of holiness. You could repent of sin on a daily basis. You could love those unlovable Christians that go to your church. If you want to go first-class, you can. But if that life of discipleship seems too costly for you, you could just go, Coach, I forget about all this obedience stuff. Forget about repenting, loving people. I mean, just forget. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. We're all going to the same place, right? Now, the Apostle John, I'm very sure, never purchased an airline ticket in his life. But I think he would tell us that's not the best way to understand what it means to follow Jesus. Why? Be because... Here's what John tells us, changing, the kind of change God wants to do is becoming more like Jesus. It's not an option for Christians. It's not a choice that you can, you can either opt for it or opt out of it. L listen, verse 3, he says, we know that we've come to know him if we ask Jesus into our heart. No, that's not what it says. It says we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. Verse 4, he says, Whoever says, I know him, I know God, but doesn't do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. So oh, obedience, that's not an option for us, right? Neither is, neither is love. Sometimes, have you ever met someone like this? Sometimes you'll meet people um, who tell you that they're Christians, but they don't go to church. I haven't gone to church in years. And you say to them, well, if you're a Christian, why don't you go to church? And they, and they say, because, listen, I love Jesus. It's just Christians I can't stand, right? Listen, if you, if you can't stand Christians, you don't love Jesus. You don't. John, John says here, verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Hey, listen, there was a time in the history of this nation when there were men and women who professed to be Christians who owned other Christians as slaves. They made them work in the fields. They made them sleep in shacks. They dressed them in, in, in rags. And then those, those slave owners who professed to be Christians would go to church on Sunday morning and they sing about how much they, they, loved, they loved Jesus. Listen, don't you think the Apostle John would want to question them? Like, do, do you guys really love Jesus? Do you guys even know Jesus? Because in verse 11, John says this, anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. 
They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So love for, especially love for other believers, that's not an option. You can't, I'm, I can't, you can't say, you know, God, I'd like to be one of the unloving Christians. No, no, that, that doesn't exist. It's not an option for us. One of my, one of my heroes is uh, J.C. Ryle, who was an Anglican bishop in England in the 1800s. This is what he writes from his study of 1 John. He says this, a, a person who is born again has a special love for all true disciples of Christ. Like his Father in heaven, he loves, he loves all people with a great general love, but he has a special love for those who share his faith in Christ. He feels they are all members of the same family. They are his fellow soldiers fighting against the same enemy. They are his fellow travelers journeying along the same road. He understands them, and they understand him. They may be very different from himself in many ways, in rank, in station, and in wealth, but that doesn't matter. They are his father's sons and daughters, and he cannot help loving them. So you see how important it is to, for this change to be happening in us. Obedience to God's law, is, it's, listen, it's not an option in the Christian life. Love for other believers, it's not an option in the Christian life. In, verse 6 again says this, Whoever claims to live in God must live as Jesus did. Now, this, this is kind of harsh, right? Now, once you understand this, if you understand this in the context, this, is not, this does not mean you're going to be perfect. If you were here last week, Pastor Jeffrey preached from, from uh, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, where this is what John wrote right before this. He said, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, so this, is not, this is telling us that true Christians will be engaged in an ongoing struggle with sin. This, this is not saying you're going to be perfect. The, the issue, listen, the issue, the issue is not the perfection of your life. It's the direction of your life. What direction are you headed? Are, this, is, this is serious. Are you, are you becoming increasingly more and more obedient to God's will as he revealed for us in his word? Just daily, on a daily basis, repenting of any known sin in your life, pursuing holiness in, in every area. And are, are you growing more and more loving towards others? Are, are you growing is the question. In, in our apartment, we have, uh, we have a lot of houseplants in, in our apartment. We also have a lot of fake houseplants. I don't know if they're made of plastic material. They, they look pretty realistic. Right? It's kind of hard for me to tell the difference. But the way to tell the difference between real houseplants and fake houseplants is fake houseplants always stay the same size. Real houseplants are growing. Actually, that's kind of a lie because in our house, the way you tell the difference is the fake ones are always stay the same size and the real ones are the ones that die. Okay, but, but um, in houses where people know how to take care of their plants, you can tell the real ones because real plants, real plants keep growing. It's the same in the church. Those who've really, have you really met Jesus? Those, those who've really come to know Jesus, they, they, you know, they... They're not perfect, but they keep growing, right? Keep growing. 
Verse 12 through 14, the end of this passage, John addresses different groups in, in the church. He writes to the, the little children, and then he writes to the, the, the fathers, then he writes to the young men. Then he repeats himself, little children, fathers, young men. There's different views on exactly who he's talking to, what these groups mean. But, but the thing that, to notice here is that when the apostle writes to the church, he doesn't address everyone the same way, as if we're all in the same place. Why? Because we're not all in the same place. Right? Listen, there are some people, man, there are some people in this church who are way, way ahead of me in their growth in Christ-likeness. Just way ahead of me. And you know what? That's okay. This is not a race. Hmm? And, and, and there will be people in the church who are maybe just starting out way behind you. And that's okay. Right? We're not here to judge each other. We're, we're not all at the same place, but if we're following Jesus, we will all be moving in the same direction. That's why this is so, it, it's so important to ask yourself, listen are, you, listen, are you growing in your obedience to Christ? Well, how would I know? Let me, let me put it this way. Are you aware of any um, ongoing sinful attitudes or actions in your life that you are refusing to repent of? That's a, that's a warning sign. Are you, are you growing in obedience? And are you growing in, in, in your love? Now, there's a lot of questions. Here's one question to, to, to examine that. Mm, be honest. Is there anyone you're, you're, you are refusing to forgive? That's not love. So th these are really important issues, right? The, the nature of the change, God wants to make us more like Jesus. The, the importance of the change is that this is the, listen, this is the evidence we've come to know him. Now, my third thought. What should be our motive for changing? This is kind of scary, right? If you're not loving, man, you're still in the darkness. Oh, no. We could be motivated by fear. Just like if, you know, if I better work on being obedient because if not, God is going to, I'm not going to go to heaven. God's going to kick me out of his family. If I'm not more loving, God is, you know, just fear. I have to be, I need to make myself change because I'm afraid of what God will do to me. Listen, you have, to, with First John especially, you have to read his words very carefully. John is not saying here that obedience to God is the way to get saved, right? Obedience to God is the way to get into a relationship with him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that obedience to God is the evidence that you already have a relationship with him. Again, end of verse 5, this is how we know we are this is how we know we are in him. Not this is the way to get to be in him. No, this is the way you know it's happened. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So the way, listen, the way to get into a relationship with God. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God today. How would you get one? The way to get into a relationship with God is not by working really hard to try to be obedient the Bible says the way to get into a relationship with God is very simply to place your trust in Jesus. Amen? We are saved by grace through faith. Okay? And so, when, as I said at the beginning, when you come to God through Jesus, God accepts you just the way you are. You, now, you'll notice in verse 12, you see this idea communicated. Verse 12 um, John says, I'm writing to you, dear children. And depending on how you read this, he might possibly be talking to those who are weakest in their faith in the whole church, those who are just beginning, right? 
And he says this, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Notice John doesn't say, um, little children, you guys are still messed up. And if you toe the line, you get your act together, you start working harder at, at obeying the Lord, then your sins will be forgiven. It's not what he says. He says, your sins have been forgiven. And we say, John, which sins? John says, all of them. All of them. Past sins, present sins, future sins, the ones you're most ashamed of. John, John just says, little children, you came to Jesus, you started trusting him, guess what? You're forgiven. You're loved. Hear me. You are loved. You are accepted. You're in the family. You're one of the children. You're a child of God. You know, that has happened for you already. So what's the motive for wanting to change? It's not fear. The motive is love. We're not trying to change so that God will love us. No, guys, we're trying to change because he does. Uh, verse 5. I'll close with this, pointing this out. Verse 5, John says this. If anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Now, that, that phrase, love for God, it's really, really hard for, for uh, translators to know how to translate it because it could mean love for God, your love for him, or it could mean love from God, his love for you. I kind of think it's both. All right, and so, so John is saying, if you find yourself growing in obedience, you know why this is? Because your love for God is growing. You're falling in love with God more and more. And why are you falling in love with God more and more? Because his love for you is made complete in Jesus Christ. So if you have a non-Christian friend who sees you being concerned about what? The words you speak, the movies you watch, the way you make sure you pay your bills, sees you loving people in the church who maybe are not very easy to love, and, and your friend says to you, why, why, why are you Christians so, why are you so concerned about obeying God and honoring God? You, would, you know what you'd say? Because I love him. I just love him. And your friend says to you, why do you love him? You would say, because he loved me first. That's my motive. I'm not afraid of God. I'm not afraid he's going to kick me out of the family. I just love him. I want to honor him. Why do I love him? Because he loved me. So wait for it. We'll get there in a few weeks. But we get to chapter 4 of 1 John. What beautiful words. We're going to hear this. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Listen, guys, any God who loves us that much, he wants to change us, let's let him change us, right? We can trust him. It's going to be good. Let's pray together. 
We are so grateful for your love for us and for your patience with us and for your commitment to make us like Jesus. And so, Father, we just praise you. We pray that you will give us faith to trust you and courage to follow you. In Christ's name.